I'm the lead pastor at Establish, and uh, if you're anything like me, sometimes on Sunday mornings, I, I just get into the groove of doing stuff, and, and even on Easter Sunday this morning, I just get into the groove of doing stuff, and then my kids um, had this Easter egg hunt where they went around the house, and they had lots of different clues, and one of the things that Catherine, my wife, got them to do was to do a little memory verse thing, and, uh, and it wasn't until I saw my kids rearrange these letters on the ground that read, Jesus is alive, that I really stopped to take note. And um, actually, this is Easter. This is, this is Easter Sunday. And uh, one of the most exciting things that we could celebrate is that Jesus is alive. And, uh, and just as we come to this uh, story that maybe many of you could be familiar with, I'm going to pray um, that you not only uh, hear um, the words of this story that may be familiar to you, but actually you come away rejoicing in your heart that Jesus is alive. Um, so I'm going to pray. So please pray along with me. And uh, Tim, if we can have the fold back off this mic, that will be wonderful. Thank you. Um, Father God, I just um, thank you so much. Uh, that we can stand here today and um, with complete assurance that your son Jesus was alive on Easter Sunday. And we thank you so much for what that means for us. We thank you so much and um, that that means that we can be absolutely certain um, that you can and that you will and that you have forgiven us. Uh, Lord God, I, I pray that today by your spirit, you will um, raise a joy within our hearts for something that for some of us might be new for some of us might be familiar, um, but I pray that our response will be uh, like the people at the end of this passage where we rejoice and praise you for your glory. Amen. Uh, what is it that we need to hear most this Easter? Now, I'm sure as you think about that question, there's probably many things that come to mind. We might need to hear words of encouragement. We might need to hear words of comfort because these is, this Easter break has maybe been really, really tough for you or you're in a tough situation. It might be that we need to hear words of exhortation, words that encourage us and challenge us to keep on growing deeper. Maybe there's more personal things that we need to hear, words from a loved one that you've been waiting to hear for a very very long time. Words like sorry. I didn't realize that I did that. Maybe words that bring relief for you in a tough situation, whatever that might be. Words that help you maybe work out whether or not this Jesus bloke is really worth following and, and, and really worth putting your trust in. There are many contenders, aren't there? Many things at this time that we need to hear, but what is it that you need to hear most this Easter? What is it that we need to hear most this Easter? Or more, more specifically, what do we need to hear from God this Easter? Well, I want to suggest to you today that what we need to hear most is that we are forgiven. We are forgiven without diminishing the many things that you might need to hear today and the things that you're going, uh, that are going on in your life. I want to suggest 
that the thing that we need to hear most is that we are forgiven. And what we're going to do is we're going to explore um, what that looks like in this story with Jesus and the paralytic man. And, and I reckon that um, it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for a long time or if you're here and you're not sure as to whether or not you've put your trust in Jesus, that hearing these words will be the thing that transforms your life, will be the thing that continues to shape and form who you are and how you live in this world. And here's how we're going to do this. We're going to look at um, this small passage at the beginning of Mark's gospel, which is an eyewitness account of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. And we're going to ask why I think the most important thing for this man was that he heard Jesus say, son, your sins are forgiven. And, and then we're going to ask three questions. We're going to ask, why does this man need forgiveness from Jesus specifically? How does he receive this forgiveness? And then who cares? What, what does it really matter um, about this? And as part of that, what we're going to do is we're going to invite um, Will Hodgetts, a.k.a. Chili, um, to come up and share his story of, of a time where he heard Jesus saying that he is forgiven and kind of what that has looked like in his life um, from that point on as he has lived through the ups and downs of life, as he's wrestled with sin, as he's wrestled with trusting in God, and all of that. Um, so that's what we're going to do. And, uh, and at the end, we'll, we'll pray for Will. And then we're going to sing a couple of songs again. So why do I think that this man in this story, that the thing that he needs to hear most is you are forgiven? Well, it's really quite simple. It's because Jesus forgives him before he heals him in the story, right? It, Jesus is in this place called Capernaum where he's He's teaching about the kingdom. He's teaching about this place um, and this rule that his father has over all of the world. And everybody is all bumped in. They're all crammed into this small house. And as he's right in the middle of teaching about the kingdom, there's this hole starts to be cut in the roof of the, of the building. And these men lower a paralyzed man down into the house. And, and here we see Jesus face to face with a man who could not walk. And this is what he says in verse five. Have a look, it's the little number five there. This is what he says to this man. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, if you would have been there, that would have been really shocking, right? And in fact, when we read it, we're meant to be shocked by it. We're meant to go, really? Come on, Jesus, it's pretty obvious what this guy needs to hear from you. He needs to hear you say, get up and walk. He needs to hear you say, you are healed. That, that's the most obvious problem, isn't it? Now, either Jesus is playing some kind of religious game at this point, or maybe he's seeing something that we don't see. Maybe he's seeing something that, that this man maybe didn't even see and the friends that brought him along didn't see. Something that we maybe don't even believe. That the thing that this man needed most was to be forgiven. And, and I think the order that Jesus actually deals with this man shows us that. He forgives, 
then he feels. Now, it's not that he doesn't care uh, about his context, right? It's not that he doesn't care about his other needs. He does, and, and, and he actually ends up treating him, doesn't he, with compassion because he goes on to heal him. But even then, we're told that that healing is there to show that Jesus has authority to do what? What? Forgive his sins. Jesus forgives before he heals, and, and, and that tips us off, I think, to what it is that is the most important thing for all of us to hear this Easter. We are forgiven. But why does this man need forgiveness from Jesus, right? Specifically from Jesus. Because you see, normally the person uh, who you get forgiveness uh, from, that you ask for forgiveness, is the person that you have wronged, right? So if I went around telling everybody that James Eyre, um, every staff day picks his nose and wipes it on the wall and, and just farts in the office and runs away and kind of does all of that and I just defame his name, right, amongst everyone and, and, and you all think he's just some kind of gross guy. Um, I'll let you work it out as to whether or not he does that. Um, but, but, if, but if I did that, or, or, or even did worse, I couldn't go to my wife, Kathra, and say, Kathra, will you forgive me for saying these things about James? Why? Because Kathra wasn't the person who was wronged against, right? The, the way that this whole forgiveness thing works is that you go to the person and you seek forgiveness from the person that you have wronged. So what did this man have to seek forgiveness from Jesus for? I assume that this was the first time they've met, right? Now, it could be that, that um, you know, Jesus was going to have to cop the bill for the hole in the roof. It could be that, that they interrupted just at that moment where Jesus was hitting the crescendo and it was just completely ruined. But it's very, very unlikely that that's what it was all about. You see, the religious leaders in this story, they knew that Jesus meant way, way more than just forgiving him for something like that. You see, when Jesus said, son, your sons are forgiven, when Jesus said those words, they actually accused Jesus of blasphemy. They accused Jesus because they know that it is only God who can forgive, right? You see, these religious people in this story, they help us to see that what Jesus is doing here is claiming to forgive this man for something far more than cutting a hole in the roof and interrupting his sermon. Because you see, Jesus is claiming that he can forgive this man of all of his sins. But there's a problem. The teachers of the law believe that that's only something that God can do. You see, the message of Christianity and the message of the Bible and even in the context of Jesus' day is that where sins cause damage and broken relationships with one another and that leaves us to need to get forgiveness from one another, the main thing that sin does is that it is ultimately something that breaks our relationship with God and is ultimately against God. And that leaves us in a position where Everyone 
needs forgiveness from God. Even this man who comes to Jesus with a great need. But you see, establish your sin is not a problem and your sins are not a problem primarily because it causes harm to other people and offends other people. As bad as that is, it is a huge problem because our sins are something that is against God. And if that's true, then what we need is, is not just forgiveness on a human level, but actually forgiveness from God himself. From someone that actually has the authority to be able to kind of deal with that kind of offense. To actually be able to heal our wounds and forgive our sins at a soul level, not just at a skin level. From someone who can actually absolve us from the guilt and the shame of the skeletons that are in our closet. From someone that can actually forgive us effectively and entirely. Now, I don't know about you, but, but, but often when we have forgiveness from human relationships, it often feels like it still lacks something, doesn't it? And, and that's because, at least in the story of the Bible, we see that our sin is not just against one another, but it's actually something that's against God. And therefore, to be truly forgiven, we need forgiveness from God. And, and here we have this man in the story, and that really is his greatest need. He really needs to hear from God that he is forgiven, even though he might not see it at first. And Jesus claims to be that person. He actually claims to be God. But Jesus goes on, doesn't he, to give some evidence uh, to back up his claim to be able to um, give this forgiveness for man's sins. Have a look at verse 10. I, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up and he took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. Jesus heals the man and, and then at the result of that, at the end in verse 12, we, we hear that people praise God. Now here's the thing. The Jesus' claim to forgive sins, it was something that just wasn't falsifiable. No, nobody, nobody could work out. They couldn't test it. They, they couldn't work out whether or not that had actually happened. But guess what? No one could refute that a man who was lame got up, took his mat, and started rejoicing and started praising Jesus. You see... This gospel that we're reading from, the gospel of Mark, it's, it's an eyewitness account of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And what that means is this particular gospel was written within living memory of those eyewitnesses that saw this very thing. And that meant that where they couldn't question and work out whether or not this person was forgiven for all of his sins, they could at least work out whether or not this man was healed. They could confirm it. But Jesus went on to do something far greater than say to one man that he had forgiven his sins, didn't he? He would actually go on to confirm in a far greater way that he was God and that he actually had the authority not only to forgive one man's sins, but actually to forgive all people's sins. 
Imagine the sins of the whole world. To do something that would actually mean that today you could hear son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. You see, that's what we celebrate at Easter, isn't it? Jesus goes on in the Gospel of Mark to pay the price for sins on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Good Friday. That that's why it's good. But in a far greater way than raising a lame man from the ground to standing onto his feet, God raises Jesus, the God-man, from the grave to show that he does have authority and that he can really, really forgive. He rose from the dead, just as he said he would. You see, many people died on a Roman cross, right? Many people made audacious claims. But no one said that they were going to die, and on the third day that they would rise again and actually do it. Apart from this man, Jesus. And because of that, This morning when I saw those words, he is alive. Do you know what that said to me? It said to me that I can trust him. That he does have authority to forgive my sins. You see, that's what the resurrection does for us, right? In a similar way to these people seeing this man raised from the ground. The resurrection does a similar thing for us. It actually shows us that Jesus has the authority to forgive us effectively. To actually remove the guilt and shame. That he can forgive us entirely. All of the sin in the past, in the present, and in the future. 100%. And and you know what? It's only Jesus that can actually do that eternally. Because you see, our sin is against an eternal God. Now, I'm not sure why you came to church today. I'm, I may not even be convinced that, that I have convinced you or that, that you're convinced that your sins are against God and that your greatest need is to hear that you're forgiven. Maybe there's other things that are more pressing and present and just pertinent in your life. I'm not wanting to diminish that at all. Maybe you're here and and actually you're going, man, I don't think I actually need anything. I don't want you to leave here today missing out on hearing the word son, daughter. Your sins are forgiven. But how does this man receive that forgiveness? Well, Jesus declares it and he has faith. Jesus declares it and he has faith. Did you notice how he forgave this man, right? It was by his word. Jesus simply declares it, and it was so. So by Jesus saying, son, your sins are forgiven, that was it as good as done, right? His status before God at that point had changed. He was now forgiven. Jesus declared it, and it was fact. But but he needed to receive it, didn't he? He needed to receive it by faith. Now, I'm taking the passage out of order here. If if you've read along through, um, you'll see that technically um, what has happened in this passage is that Jesus sees that the men have faith in verse 5, and then he forgives them, right? 
And, and I'm assuming in this, when Jesus saw their faith, that that includes the faith of the paralyzed man, including the people that brought him along. Now, was that faith just faith that he would be healed? Maybe. I think it certainly included that. But I reckon it's so much more than that. Because Jesus actually does forgive them. And, and we see him acting on faith later on as well, don't we? Like when Jesus says to him, hey, get up, take your mat, and go. He doesn't just say, oh, Jesus, you've made a pretty audacious claim to kind of forgive my sin, and, and I'm not entirely sure that I trust you. What does he do? You see it word for word. He does exactly the same thing that Jesus says for him to do. That is an act of faith. And, and I think because he shows faith in this thing, that he's actually also showing faith in the fact that what Jesus said to him was true, that he was forgiven. How do we receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers? Well, we receive it by faith. We, we actually accept the declarative words that Jesus says as reality in our life. We, we accept the forgiveness that only Jesus can actually give us, and we, we live by faith in light of that reality that we are forgiven. Notice something in this. This doesn't require penance. It doesn't require a priest. It doesn't require a third party. It doesn't require that he pays back anything in return or in exchange for what he has done. It doesn't require him to work for it the way that we do as we try to work for forgiveness in one another. We simply need to believe it. That Jesus is indeed faithful and that he is powerful to forgive your sin and he offers it to you absolutely free and if you've already received this from Jesus he had offered it to you absolutely free no catches no sub clauses no trickery whatsoever free 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 now why does all this matter well, if you've yet to see that your sin is ultimately something that is against God and you've not yet asked him for forgiveness and you've not yet put your trust in Jesus' life and his death and in his resurrection, what this means for you today is that you can actually leave here today hearing the most important thing that you need to hear this Easter. Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. You might have come here to church for all sorts of reasons. But you can leave hearing the sweetest and most transformative words that you will ever hear from a God who loves you. Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. And all you need to do is say sorry to God for your sin against him. And to actually put your trust in Jesus and, and trust that because of his death and because of his resurrection, that that means that you can put your trust in him, that he has paid for all of your sin, past, present, and future, entirely, effectively, and eternally. That's awesome. This matters for those of us who have actually put our trust 
in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, right? Because as we live this out, one of the hardest things, isn't it, is to believe that we really are forgiven. Anybody have that problem? I have that problem all the time. But if you trust in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and he has declared that you are forgiven, all of your sins, past, present, and future, all of the skeletons in your closet and the things that seek to creep out from the mat that you don't want anybody to know about, they're forgiven. That's the gospel. That's the Easter message. Your rebellion against God, forgiven. No more guilt, no more shame, no more condemnation. Just imagine for a moment. Take yourself back to this man. He's face to face with Jesus and he hears from the God of the universe. Son, your sins are forgiven. You need to hear that today, don't you? You need to hear that today. And, and you can and, and, and you actually do hear that as you hear Jesus' words in this story to this man. Even as you struggle with ongoing sin. Even as you struggle with guilt and shame and condemnation that keeps on creeping into your life. I want you to do something with me for a moment. I, I don't suspect that it will take you very long at all. I want you actually just to close your eyes and think about what are those things. Those skeletons in your closet that keep on coming back out that you're not yet sure that Jesus has actually forgiven you for. I want to give you a few seconds to do that. Have you got it? It doesn't take me very long at all, I'm afraid. Here's what Jesus wants to say to you this Easter. As you remember his death, as you remember his resurrection, as you hear his word, he wants to say to you, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. I know that you've ran away from me, but son, your sins are forgiven because I paid the price. And you can trust me because I rose again. I know that you've cursed me. I know that you've lived a double life at times. But daughter, your sins are forgiven because I have paid the price. And you can trust me because I have risen. I know that you struggle with resentment, that you lie, that you do not take every opportunity, that you feel like a second-class citizen, that you insert whatever is in your mind right now. Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven because I paid the price for you and you can trust me because I have risen. Do you get this established? We are forgiven if we put our trust in Jesus. Effectively, entirely, and eternally. And we can trust that it's so because as Jesus says it, it's true. It's as true as the words that he said to the lame man to get up and walk. It's as true as the words that stopped the waves and made them calm. It's as true as the words that he spoke and raised the young girl from the dead. And it's as true as the words that he speaks to him 
that his sin is forgiven. And we know that because of Resurrection Sunday, that we can trust in him. Now, here's what I want to do before we get chilly out. I just want to read to you, not my words telling you this, but actually some passages in the Bible. And, and, and as I do this, I want it actually just to soak into your soul this Easter. Jeremiah 31, verse 34. God declares, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins. What does it say? No more. We are forgiven. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. We are forgiven. Isaiah 43, verse 25. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. We are forgiven, established church. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because we are forgiven. 1 John, verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he, that is Jesus, is faithful why? Because he died on the cross and he rose again just like he said he would. He is faithful and just and listen to this and will forgive our sins and purify us from all, all, all unrighteousness. What do we need to hear most this Easter, establish? We need to hear that we're forgiven. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for a long time. It doesn't matter if you're here and you've heard about Jesus for the first time. This is the most important thing that we need to hear. And uh, what we're going to do now is um, we're, we're going to hear uh, from Chili um, and uh, a little bit about his story. Um, because I reckon that really this stuff lands um, when we hear how God has actually brought these things to bear in the life of a person. So um, we're going to invite Chili to come up. And, um, or I'm going to invite Chili to come up and uh, we'll grab a seat. Sorry. 